Welcome back, everybody. Got another episode of Dirt Talk today. This has become my Saturday or Sunday routine. It's a Saturday again, and today we have an, an unusual guest. He's not really a, a, a business owner. He's not really, he's kind of in the industry, but he's not. He has a, an enormous affection for dirt, though. He is Jared McNeil, freestyle motocross rider and X Games gold medalist is how he told me to introduce himself. How are you doing, Mr. Jared? Good, mate. Good to have me on here. Thank you. Thanks for being on. Um, Appreciate it. I guess first, before I forget, can we talk about your little cow? Yeah, where go did you, for it. Where what do you want to know? Where did you get that? Why did you buy a cow? Um, want to buy a cow. I guess growing up on the dairy farm as a kid, being around cows, I've always just had a love for cows. They're just a good animal. And my fiance has just been looking for years to get a uh, Scottish Highlander. They're like the short, fluffy cows from Scotland. And we, one of our friends got one a year or so ago and we were just, you know, seeing him and liked him and wanted to get our own. So we found a breeder up in like Thousand Oaks, just north of LA. Huh. And, um, yeah, we picked him up about four months ago. He was about uh, eight weeks old when we got him. And, yeah, he's pretty funny. Where does he sleep? Because I see him in the house all the time. <laughs> and he doesn't sleep in the house. He always <laughs> just pushes his, pushes his way into the house. But um, he's got a pretty sweet little enclosure out the back. So, like... I've got my 10-acre property, and then my backyard around the house has a fenced-in area, and inside that he has like a little pen fenced-in area where he's got um, his little shed where he sleeps. He's got all his hay and his drink trough, and guy's got like a big fan in his in his room and stuff like that to keep him cool in summertime, and he's got hay in there, a hay bed in there to keep him warm at wintertime, and he's pretty dialed, man. He's pretty set. Does he does he think he's one of the dogs? Yeah, straight up. He's definitely <laughs> one of the dogs. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like He's like super gentle with my dog, Luke. And then Ruger, he likes to like headbutt Ruger and mess around with Ruger. Like, they're pretty funny together. Not mean, but just they just love playing together. So he's like got two friends that he acts differently with. It's pretty funny. All right, now that we got the cow out of the way, I feel like that had needed to be addressed. Why? <laughs> You're clearly Australian, if anyone didn't pick up on that. So why did you come to the United States initially? Uh, just to, I guess I came here for riding and to live the American dream. So growing up as a kid, I always wanted to come to America. I guess it was super young for me. It was like all the best races, all the best freestyle riders they were all here in the U.S. So it was kind of like a dream to be able to make it to the U.S. for riding a motorcycle. And, um, yeah, that was kind of what I worked on. And I guess as a kid too, I also always seen like the big trucks and the big tractors and all the big earth-moving gear and stuff like that in the U.S. And, I mean, the big manufacturers are from the United States, like Caterpillar and things like that. So seeing those American brands here and I guess just dreaming of that and watching guys come over, like as a young kid, watching older guys come over here to do harvest in the, in the seasons, like to crop harvest or come over and 
work on big farms or uh, work in civil construction. It was pretty cool to see Aussies coming over here doing that. So for me, it was like, man, I wanted to get over here for riding a dirt bike or running earth moving equipment. And how old are you? Uh, 29 this year. Well, how old were you when you moved over? Uh, I was 18 when I came here. So you're pretty much just a kid. Yeah, I was a kid. Yeah, I moved here on my a week before my 19th birthday I came here. So, yeah. Did you know anyone yep. in the States or did you just send it? I uh, just sent it, yeah. Um, wow. I was lucky at that time I had a sponsor for my riding. So I got invited to go to X Games in July 2010. And at that time... I hadn't been to America, so it was kind of a dream unfolding at that time. I was like super stoked to come over and kind of we were just winging it. My, I came over with uh, one of my good mates at the time. He just helped me, you know, just to have a friend there coming over. And then after the X Games and that, he left. My parents and stuff came over for X Games as well, and they all left after. So it was cool when they were all here and then they all left and went home to Australia and it was just me here by myself. So that was a bit different for a while. Didn't really have any, have any really good friends in that, but I was lucky to have a sponsor at that time that I lived at his house. He, uh, he gave me a truck to use and, um, and paid, helped me pay my wage. So yeah, I was pretty lucky, but, uh, yeah, came here when I was super young and, I guess just didn't really give a crap. I just wanted to be here. So, um, yeah, I got homesick. The first probably three, four years were pretty tough. Um, uh-huh. Eating, like eating, I still struggle with eating, but um, just the food's a little bit different. There's a lot of just shitty GMO crap here. So yeah. getting used to the food differences and things like that um, were different. And then uh, I guess having friends where if you're like stuck on the side of the freeway or something like that, it's hard to have, friends when you hadn't been here that long to be able to call up and be like yo can you come and help me i'm stranded at the moment so there was some big differences coming here at a young age but it was pretty sick so yeah did did you ever consider going back or were you just like Uh, i just kind of is what it is i guess the first so like at the end of that year i was kind of here by myself and i went home to australia just to do some just some nitro circus shows and things like that. So I normally went home every year, like once or twice a year. So, you know, for a month or two at a time and just with the visas here in the U S and stuff. So I had to kind of go back and forth, but I was trying to set myself up here full time. So basically, um, yeah, just stuck it out, stayed here and, and got everything done and it's all worked out pretty well. Um, yeah, just, I guess the first four years were a bit different, but, after you get through that, it's not too bad. So, so now you've been here a while, and I, I enjoy seeing on social media how passionate about the United States you are being an outsider. It's, it's pretty cool because it makes me realize, like, man, we are really lucky for what we, we have in this country. Why are you so fired up about America? Because um, I think just coming from another country like Australia, like I understand that Australia's very similar to the United States. Like we are very, very similar. We all want the same things in life. You know, we all want to have nice, good families, a house, a roof over our head, nice cars. And, and then the lifestyle that we can have if we work hard for it, you know, you can, you can have your toys, you can have all your, your nice things and 
that's something I've seen in America that if I could make a career out of writing and I could live the American dream, I could go one step beyond Australia and have a better life somewhere else in a world that I dreamed of. As a young kid at you know eight years old, I asked my mum for the American flag. I used to draw it in my books all the time and I was pretty passionate at a young age like about America. There was just something that catched my eye and I wanted to be here and I'm super passionate about it because I see what the United Nations and you the and Europe is doing to Australia and I see a bigger picture than what I think most people do and I see how my country is just slowly becoming communist and I don't like it and I like where I where I am now in the United States and being here for 10 years and it's uh such a great country with uh great opportunities, great people. You just have to go out and work hard. So for me it's just a great place that I always dreamed of living in and yeah, finally made it happen and I mean I'm just super proud of this place i mean your your forefathers fought for the constitution and all these things and i see you know the last four years of living in america seeing uh under the presidency that we have uh, a lot of my friends have money and they're they're doing quite well in the last four years and being here for 10 years i've seen how they were before that guy's presidency and how everyone was struggling and not doing so well. And for me, just, yeah, the last four years, I've became pretty patriotic about this place because I see how well my friends and people in this country are actually doing now, even though they were doing okay before. But, yeah, I just uh, feel pretty proud about this place and the lifestyle that it gives me. So, yeah. What was this, something that surprised you coming over here beyond the food? What, what, what surprised you? What surprised me? Um, how half of America hates itself. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of that. You know, I think yeah. that's the biggest surprise I got out of America. I, I th- honestly, I think that's what it is. I think coming to America thinking, man, they're going to love, like they must love their life over there and, you know, everything must be really, really great. And then, And then being here for 10 years, seeing that maybe half of the country doesn't appreciate what they have or they don't see what they actually have. Yeah. So for me, that kind of really frustrates me. That's something I think caught me off guard because being a kid from Australia, dreaming of coming to America, dreaming of living in America, dreaming of marrying an American girl. Like I always wanted to date an American girl. I just don't know why, but it was just, they were, you know, something I, I wanted to do. And, Seeing people that are living here, they're born here, they don't have to do what I have to do to live here, they don't have to get visas, they don't have to do anything, they just wake up in the morning, they're a US citizen and for me it, it really yeah, bothered me that half the people here just do not understand what they have. I mean, you know, you go to, tra- I've travelled the world for 12 years, more actually, since I was about at 9, 10 years old, so what you're looking at like 14 or 15 years and it's like i just see how there's other countries that um you know i've gone to third world countries and i see how people in third world countries act and how they are so thankful for little tiny things and then people in america have all the ability to have all these nice big things and they just 
don't appreciate it. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, that's what's something I guess that caught me off guard. I was like, man, I would have thought that everyone in America would have just loved this country and being so proud of that flag and everything. But I've noticed that it's not necessarily the case. Yeah. And, and I guess you, you kind of have to be aware of that fact, or at least I've become more aware of it. And I've made a rule for myself that I need to go travel outside of the United States at least once a year for the rest of my life. Obviously, coronavirus put a 100%. put an end to that. Yep. But, but you leave the country and then that's when, at least in my life, I've really started to understand how fortunate we are here. Just by leaving. Yeah. Yeah. You can marry whoever you want. You can have any job you want. You like, it's just, you can be, you can dress, you can act, you can say, you can do anything you want, you know, until recently when they try and just blanket us for saying and doing things. But it's like up until now, we've literally been able to do whatever we want. And that's what I think America is all about. I think, that's why the forefathers came here. That's why why they separated and went to war and fought each other for this exact freedom that I came here for. You yeah. know, so, well, it's it's. I mean, you're a good example of it because you're not even an American yet. You came to America and you've largely lived lived the American dream. I mean, you have this beautiful farm in Southern California with equipment and a cow, and you get to ride dirt bikes all the time. Like that's from from just coming over here with absolutely nothing like it's it's pretty wild yeah it's sick i came here with like 1500 australian dollars so i uh before i came over got my invite to x games i was i went and worked on it in a gravel quarry just loading a screener in an excavator and pushing dirt with a dozer and you know, made for the month before or something, made, you know, 1500 or something. And that was to go towards, like, helping me over here when I came over. And obviously, my very first X Games, I got a silver medal. So a lot of sponsors and things like that were interested in working with me. So I ended up picking up some good-paying sponsors at that time, which I was fortunate enough about and had a place to live and things like that and a bike to ride. So, you know, from $1,500, to figuring out my career and making connections and networking and and just staying in America, not trying not to go home, trying to stay here. Like a lot of riders that have came for the American dream, they really just haven't stayed here and toughed it out and got through, you know, the first, you know, three, four years of their career and then made it. They've kind of like left it early and which really doesn't work. You've kind of got to stay here and, and put the work in and meet the right people and that's what I did. And, and now, yeah, 10 years later, I've got uh, my house, all the, you know, being able to, you know, as a kid, I had um, an excavator on the farm and we had tractors and things like that, but that were, they were my dad's, you know, my dad owned them. And I guess now finally owning my own 10 acre property, being able to buy, you know, this is, I've got my second skid steer now, but when I had my first skid steer, being able to go and purchase my own skid steer and then, you know, a couple of years later, go and buy an excavator and, you know, another year later, go and trade my other one, my other skid steer in and upgrade and yeah. get all the nice bikes and all, you know, I've got my big F trucks and trailers and all this cool stuff. It's just like a backyard that I can wake up and ride and train for my career and 
yeah, I don't think it gets much better than that. Like, uh, I guess coming from another country and just knowing what I could have and just working hard for it. I think, uh, being an Aussie, we have a lot of drive to, to do things and we like, we don't mind working hard for stuff. And if you give us the opportunity, we'll take it. So I guess for me, that's really just been a, been a big part of it. Just never given up and just been working hard and to live the American dream. Now going to competing in X games and, and motocross, how like, on the outside, it probably just looks to most people like you just basically play all day long and it just looks like a ton of fun. How much work is it? Like how much work have you had to put in to even just get to that global stage to begin with and then stay there for so long now? Um, so like, like super weird. Like it, it is like, like, I mean, our lifestyle, don't get me wrong. Our lifestyle does look fun. Like we are, we do, we have, we definitely have the best fun lifestyle where and honestly, we are having fun most days, like because yeah, that's that's what our career is 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 literally to to have fun and push the limits. I think for the hardest part about it is um obviously like financially staying on top the whole time that you're in your career. That's one of the hardest things is because with us we're con- we're contractors, literally pretty similar, pretty similar to a lot of contractors out there where if they're self-employed contractors, we have to basically, you know, pay all our own insurance and things like that. So when we crash and get hurt, it's pretty hard on us. So Mm. trying to get back from injuries and doing that kind of stuff, like financially staying on top in that while you're being injured. So you might be out for three to six months with an injury possibly. So you won't be making money. So things like that, you've got to, you've got to be smart about. I think, yeah, just being out on the bike, like we train, we train a lot. I, I train more riding than necessarily the gym stuff. Like I don't spend a whole lot of time in the gym. Yeah. I just try and stay active. Um, for me, I, I guess for me, it's like being out building jumps, being out in the equipment. I'm always, I feel like I'm always working like a contractor, but riding my dirt bike. So yeah. Yeah. I try and live like, I try and combine the two to where I'm not, I'm a bit different than some guys, I suppose, in our sport, but I like to feel like I'm a farmer that's riding dirt bikes for fun. <laughs> so I guess, uh, yeah, just going out there and just, you know, the injuries, I think, is just one of the hardest things is in our career. And I think the things you've got to be good at in, the, in our sport, obviously one of them is riding. You've got to be super good at riding and you've got to be able to back, back it. So you go to an event and people are looking at you, you've got to be able to, you know, perform and, and, and hold up to that. So there's a lot of stressful things that come along with it. Just you put a lot of stress, mental stress and physical stress on your body. So dealing with a lot of that stuff, you know, winning events and then losing events, that's a really hard one. So just being mentally prepared to lose or to win, and that all takes a real toll on your body. So yeah, it's just keeping on top of all that, I think, and, and then being able to perform. So, yeah. How much is it mental versus physical? Um, I would say mentally probably more like maybe like 60% and yeah. 40% physical. Yeah. Like um, muscle memory is like the key thing to our sport. So um like repetition so when we're practicing it's basically we're practicing to remember the tricks so like 
if I don't do a trick for a while, it's quite daunting to learn that trick again or to keep up to the to certain tricks. Like backflip tricks are quite hard to keep. If you don't keep on top of backflip tricks, um, you tend to lose them. So there's just a lot of things that the muscle memory is really important. But just the mental side of it, just being able to you know tell yourself like you can pull back on a jump this big or you need to let go of the bike here and grab it here and it's like those things are very hard um physical side of it you've just got to try and stay healthy and fit keep keep a good body in tone and in shape and be able to you know have the bike skills to be able to maneuver your bike around i think bike skills are a pretty big part of it i think for me i've had a lot of bike skills so a lot of guys will try and go to the gym and get buffed up and they try and muscle their bike around in the air where for me it's more finesse and body movement more so than actually muscling my bike around getting it to do what I want it to do I just kind of use my muscle memory and feel and everything I can move my bike around a bit better so yeah there's just little things here and there so it was yeah I went out to your farm last December before all the coronavirus stuff happened and it what I haven't really been around. Uh, I know a lot of people in this industry have been around motocross, supercross, and all that. I've never really been around it. So to see you guys just yep. ripping around there nonstop was mind-boggling to me. And you were, I mean, the tricks you were doing up in the air were scaring the shit out of me for you. And yet you didn't even you were you, you were you were just as cool as a cucumber the entire time while you know you had one hand on your bike while flying through the air. It was it just boggled my mind. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, you went to swimming lessons for the very first time and you were scared of drowning in the pool and you, like, try to stay afloat and it was, like, scary and, and eventually you learn how to swim and then now you jump in the in the river or the, or the pool or whatever and, and you swim, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. It's like, for us, we started as a young kid on a Pee Wee 50 riding around the farm and next thing you know, you, you're trying to jump. So that's like you trying to stay afloat on the water. And then the next thing you, the trick is like, is uh, learning to paddle and to swim and use your hands. And that's the same thing, like learning to jump and do tricks and let go of your bike. You're just learning those extra steps. And then, you know, you end up waking up and you just go out there and it's natural and it is what it is. So I feel like that's my best way of explaining it is, um, you know, you you're scared when you're first learning tricks and, and feeling things out, but then eventually they become natural and it just becomes second nature, like swimming or jumping in your car, going for a drive. It's the same thing. Yeah. But I feel like you have to have like a certain degree of insanity too. I mean, just to even think like what you do is possible and a good idea it, it because it really, I don't know. like jumping in my car is pretty normal. Whereas jumping through the air on a, on a dirt bike, that's, that, that's a little insane. It's super yeah, cool. I guess it's like it's like maybe get in a um, maybe go down the freeway about around a bunch of trucks in yeah. like a little tiny a little tiny hatchback and you might feel a little bit out of place and then jump in your nice big F truck and drive down the freeway around a bunch of trucks you'll feel even safer. You know what I mean? So there you go. Yep. It's like the more time you spend on it, the less time you think about. Not to say you don't think about it because I think about things a lot. I yeah. analyze things in my head and obviously like, you know, there's all these risks like, fuck, when am I going to have a bad crash? When is this going to happen? How's this going to, you always think of those things, but 
it could be the same as when the media puts fear in your mind and you think going outside you're going to get coronavirus it's like the same thing right yeah yeah you can go outside and be scared of it or you can have a go and keep going so for me for riding i think as a young kid you learn a trick and it's like oh that was that adrenaline rush and that excitement it wasn't fear it was like the fear is actually overcome by adrenaline and the excitement that fear doesn't exist it's like i don't know like the backflip for the very first time was so daunting and so nerve-wracking but then as soon as you did it it's like i'm going again like i'm going again and again and again and next thing you know after the first one, you've done 50 to 100 of them and you're just excited and all jacked up. So the fear side of things kind of goes out of the head, yeah. out of your head. I guess like for me, I'm getting nervous lately. Like I've been doing a little bit here and there with um, my equipment and renting equipment. So like last week, I just rented a D5 dozer and did some big house, or some big horse pads. So like just some horse arenas and things like that. And um I was super nervous. It was like you're quoting a job. So like you don't know, like for me, like learning how to quote a job is freaking nerve wracking because you don't know if you're going to lose money at the end of it, if you're going to gain money at the end of it. It's like you don't know if you're going to stuff the job up. You don't know if the job's going to be fine and be like smooth going, if you're going to have inter- any interruptions. It's like that to me was almost more scary than riding my dirt bike. So I don't know. It's just like, a different world getting into construction stuff that's nerve-wracking to me even though i mess around at home and do stuff like that and i'm you know starting to dab in that industry but it's like it's pretty nerve-wracking when you you know you you're playing with somebody's property and with their bank account so yeah so is that <laughs> same same i guess i guess since this is dirt talk we're gonna have to talk, talk about dirt at some point so you, yeah. you've always, you've had some machines, you know, growing up and then you have, you've had your machines on your farm is the next iteration of this because I mean, competing for X games, gold medals is probably not all that realistic as you, you know, as you move through life and as you move even just the next new stages of life, like I know you're getting married and, and yep. a lot of that changes things. So is that where you're headed is, is starting to, you know, move dirt and, and get paid for it? Yeah, hundred percent. I yeah. mean, this career, my whole life is like I wanted to be a farmer and a dirt bike rider. Obviously, farming goes more than farming. I love construction, so it's like you know, farming and and construction is where I wanted to be later on in life. And I didn't think that, at, you know, growing up as a kid, you don't really know that you're going to make a professional career out of something that you were doing at that time and. And then things just start unfolding, right? So for me, as a young kid, I grew up on a dairy farm and dad got an excavator when I was eight, eight or nine years old. And um, that was kind of my job on the farm. I had to clean out all the cattails out of the irrigation channels. I had to bury dead cows in winter if we couldn't get them collected and had to just do things around the farm for dad on the excavator at eight years old. So I've got, you know, uh, 20 years in an excavator. So I think for me, it was like a no brainer. I left school at a young age. Um, I didn't, I left at 14 to nine months or just before my 16th birthday. So no kidding. in Australia, we, we can kind of leave school a bit earlier. Wow. Um, my parents said I could sign out if I had a job. So when I left school, 
um, I went and got a job as a welder. So I was welding for about eight months in between uh, my riding and, and it was awesome. I got a job and learned how to, how to live life and make money. And it was pretty cool. And I guess for me, leaving school early, I think being a good operator, I think that's my future and that's where I want to go. And obviously I've always dreamed about being in that industry, moving dirt and things like that. So I guess after my riding slows down, after X Games, my career there is done and I can move into construction and or, or track building even, you know, working in heavy equipment, whether it's building outdoors, supercross tracks, or it's working in construction, building freeways or housing estates. I don't, you know, whatever it is, that's where I want to go after riding. I'm super passionate about earth moving. I just love diesel engines and pushing dirt and it's just the coolest feeling ever so for me it's uh something i'm going to work towards and i guess since uh, since covid hit this year that's really what's putting me on the path to that as well um having my own equipment here it's pretty cool to be able to you know just network around my neighborhood meet neighbors in covid when i can't do performing shows and travel the world so yeah i've really taken this taking this time to network and meet people in the industry, going to Connexpo, working with Caterpillar out at Tanaha, uh, doing stuff with you and, and, you know, just things like that has been really cool this year that I haven't got to do before and I haven't had the time to do that. So it's been a really good gap year for me where I can actually take time in and spend some time on the construction side of things and meet people and, you know, if I don't get a job next year, 2021, with riding, I'm going to be probably sitting in a piece of equipment somewhere around here just, you know, working. So now's the time for me to set myself up and do that. It was the perfect time to do that, and uh, that's what I've been doing. So it's worked out good. Well, and I guess, like, track building is one of the, like, higher forms of earth moving, I feel like, because it's so... I don't know. It's it's largely reliant on your imagination. Like there's no model or plans to work off of. You just kind of go and do what you think looks right, and then you ride it. And okay, well that that was awesome. That sucked. Now I need to go rework that. And it's just this constant improvement of what's in your mind, but not really building on on anything. It's 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 really really impressive. Yeah, definitely. I think. Um that's what's cool. Like being a dirt bike rider, you can literally just shape dirt however you want and then figure it out if it works or if it doesn't work, if it, if the jump makes sense or it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, what's even cooler now is the technology that we're getting with equipment, you know, like Caterpillar's grade control and things like that. It's like we're literally able to put into a machine now, you know, like a supercross track. That's, We've got so far and so advanced with supercross tracks now that the jumps are built to spec and having equipment, you know, we were just dabbling with it at the start of the year with Caterpillar out to Naha. We built built that track moving 3,000 tons of dirt in an hour of shaping it with grade control and me riding it straight after. I mean, you know, we did, what, three days, two shows a day oh sorry two shows a day for three days or whatever it was and it was 
pulling it apart, building it back up again and like putting it back to exactly how it needed to be one after the other and riding it and it feeling pretty much exactly the same every time. Yeah. We're getting to that point where we can, you know, you go to Anaheim to the Supercross and literally the tracks eventually are going to be just programmed into the machine exactly exactly how they need to be, how far apart they need to be, what angle and shape they need to be. And that's something that before now we haven't really, you know, it's all been, like you said, it's been off of that looks right. That feels good. That's about the right measurement. You know, that works. And it's up until now we've been able to, to be able to pull it off and make things work. And then moving towards the future, it's making our sport better in certain ways safer and being able to make the jumps exactly how they need to be it's like it's pretty crazy like we're we're definitely definitely going ahead and things are getting pretty crazy in the sport of in motocross and and the way we build tracks is coming up i mean just like construction's forever changing as well so yeah it's pretty unique but even even with all the technology you still need someone with that knowledge base to create it oh, yeah. to begin with like like with Caterpillar, for example, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys just kind of built a track out there in Southern Arizona and then they mapped it with a drone yep. and then put it into the machines after the fact for the demo. So the demo was an hour of them building the track to exactly how you guys had it before with the machine control. And then it, it was the same track every single demonstration thanks to the technology, but you still had to create the track to begin with. Yeah, exactly. That was it. Like I went out there and met up with fellow Jared and uh, yeah, we walked he's around, a good dude. picked out the area and he's like, what do you want to do? I said, all right, this is kind of what I want to do. I just kind of drew on a piece of paper of where we wanted certain amounts of dirt and things like that. Then we literally built the track, remembered and recorded every bit of dump dirt, what, what truck we used to dump that amount of dirt in that location. Because wow. after that, every mound of dirt had to be the same. So it was quite interesting, like, you know, having a blank canvas coming out there, building the track, how I wanted to build it. And then literally, yeah, like you said, flying a drone over and then duplicating that exactly how it needed to be was it was pretty intense. It was a pretty sick project to be a part of. And then to actually see a track that I built a month earlier built again in the live show exactly how we built it previously it was like and then to be able to make it again and again and again it was it was pretty sick yeah and that's pretty surreal too considering your love of tractors your love of the sport marrying those two things together i mean you were like a big part of caterpillar's con expo demonstration which is a really big deal yeah it was that was gnarly. Like I got goosebumps right now talking about it. I mean, yeah. I love, love Caterpillar, like that brand, I guess just as a kid collecting all the models and stuff, like you've seen my office. It's just like, I love that stuff and be able to be able to, you know, work. obviously like it was really cool to be able to have a sponsor like Steel Wrist, the, that attachment for my excavator. It's like those guys helped me meet other people networking and introduce me to the right people and next thing you know i met a guy called tim um who's a cat rep and he introduced me to the guys at tanaha and then i got my first invite out there after x games last year with my father he was over here and 
obviously I wanted to take him somewhere really cool and that was an opportunity that came about and I mean to be able to just work with a company like that to be able to uh, have a part in that and people from Australia like big big time mining people and big construction guys that are spending millions and millions of dollars with Caterpillar it was pretty sweet because not only did I get to go and perform in a piece of equipment, build a, tr- a live show and uh, build a track in front of this crowd, and they had no idea that it was going to be ridden or that I was a part of it. And then, you know, hopping out of the machine, hopping on the dirt bike and being able to go out and ride in front of these people and, and fellow Australians. It was, it was pretty sick. I mean, my dad back home drives earth moving equipment and one of his uh, previous work owners came out he was one of Caterpillar's big customers and he actually, him and his family came out and uh, I actually hadn't met them. And it was cool because it was like, I was riding in front of them. They knew exactly who I was. My dad worked for him on construction back home. And it was just crazy to be in America riding in front of a big Caterpillar customer and knowing that I'm kind of influencing them and being a part of it. And, who knows, they might go and buy another piece of a cat equipment like they did as soon as they got home. They purchased a new, I think, a new dozer or something. It's like to know that I had a part in that was pretty, it's pretty sick. To be able to have the ability to be able to work with Caterpillar, that's like a childhood dream. And uh, to get like a customer story, to be able to put on a live show with them and to be able to ride my dirt bike and combine the two things together was like, I've done shows all around the world, Nitro Circus and things like that. But to be actually able to do like a live show with both of the things that I love the most in this world, earth moving and dirt bikes, to be able to put that together. Like I'd love to just travel the world putting on a live show with earth moving equipment and dirt bikes. I think that'd be the coolest thing ever. Yeah. What about, what about earth moving equipment gets you going? I mean, is it is it the ability to go build tracks for yourself? Is it the equipment itself? What what about it is so appealing to you? I think, like, I'm not, I don't like art. Like, I'm not an artist. And, I, like, I like art because at school, I suppose, I like drawing. Like, at school, my art books were just full of tractors and, <laughs> like, dirt bikes and stuff. It's yeah. like anything I could relate to drawing those, I did. So, I liked art, but I think for me, it's like molding dirt, like being able to like take a hillside and cut a big bench in it and then sit back and look at that big bench that you cut and how perfectly you cut it or getting out on a track and being able to mold dirt in so many different shapes and angles and to be able to stack dirt so vertical and shave it out with a bucket and just cut that dirt away and just sit back and look at it. I don't know. There's just something about it. And then I guess like the diesel, like the oil, like being able to like, you know, the last couple of days I've had my friends out from Nitro Circus staying with me and they're BMX riders. And, you know, they're like one of them's a farm kid, but one of them's not. And like, I had them helping me and they're just sitting back going, you're loving this Jared, aren't you? And I'm like, I'm not loving the $4,000 bill, but I'm loving, like, I just love working on stuff and feeling like I'm like doing something like, I have equipment, it breaks, I fix it. Like I love being able to weld stuff, fix stuff, work on engines, get dirty and diesel and gritty and pull something apart and mechanically know how to put it back together or get out there and just 
yeah, just moving dirt, like the fresh, that fresh smell of dirt just being peeled away. Like it's just something dirt, the smell of dirt just smells good. And yeah, it's good. I don't know. I just love everything about it. Yeah. 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 I'm, uh, I'm with you there. I wish I could just, I wish I could explain it better, but it really just is a feeling that it just, yeah, I've, 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 I've struggled to explain it to people that haven't ever really been around it, but then you, it, what I love to do, I love bringing people who have never been around heavy equipment before out to a job site to show them just a bulldozer going past them, even if it's a small one. Yeah. Because regardless, yeah. like man, woman, you know, child, it doesn't matter who they are. You can just see like in their eyes, like, holy shit, this is cool. And it's like, yeah, this right. is the world we live in, man. This is it. It is. Like, it's a video. Like, to me, I think it's a video game. Like, I sit in a control room, like a cabin of a machine, and to me, it's a control room where there's just, at the touch of your fingertips, there's just, it's the big glass screen in front of you. You're just looking out into the open space, and you've got this blank canvas to do whatever you want with. Yeah. And you're literally in there with all these little buttons and stuff. And I ha- I'm not a fan of video games. Like, the only video game... I ever got into was called Farm Simulator. Nice. And, yeah. And that's it because it involved earth moving and tractors <laughs> and it was like, it's the only video game I've got into. Like even the dirt bike games, like I end up throwing the controller across the room because I'm just frustrated because they beat me. It's like yeah. in Farm Simulator, the, the only thing that can wipe you out is a frost in the morning. It like might wipe out a bit of your field. But other than that, you just keep making money and like doing cool stuff. So I really enjoyed that that game, and as for me, um, what I like to tell people is like, if you've ever been in a piece of equipment, it's literally like a big video game. You have the controllers, and you're just in there, and you're just able to do whatever you want, and and that's what I love about it. I love I love seeing kids. Like for me as a kid, I also I love getting in the tractor, whether I was sitting in there with somebody or if I was driving it. And for me, I like this year I went and built a step up at the Adelaide 500 in Australia for a contest and normally I go there and compete in it but I was had a broken wrist but I was fortunate enough that um I could still drive the excavator with a broken wrist so it worked out really good and I built a step up that but you know there was kids walking through the this area this park because it was open to the public and I was in this fenced in area building building this step up lip and I just remember this one kid coming by with his mum and he was on his bicycle and they sat there for probably an hour just watching me move dirt. And I was like, man, that was like me. That was the, I was that kid. And, and now I, I'm driving this stuff and I love this stuff. And I remember being that kid just sitting there on the fence line, looking into construction sites about how sick that is and, you know, collecting the models and just being around it. Just, I think that's what's so cool about earth moving stuff is as a kid growing up, watching it and looking at it and, you know, just getting invested in it and, and then kind of relating it to video games. I think for me, that was like the real video game and I didn't get myself caught up inside on the TV, you know? Yeah. Well, with you two, with all the operators I've seen, you are, uh, you're the only guy I've ever seen running an excavator with a dog in it, not wearing a shirt, but wearing a cowboy hat. Hell yeah. Yeah. yeah and I know, I know that's just another day at the office for you. Yeah, you want Right. Yeah. You can be you. Yeah. No, I did. I, I, I respect it very much. You're just doing your thing. I don't, I don't know if I, uh, 
can be out on the construction site when I get a real job with no t-shirt. I think I'll have to have the fluorescent jacket on. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at the McNeil farm, OSHA don't give a shit or they don't have a say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen that in some of your videos. Um, yeah, can you the stuff that we do here? They can't they can't pick on us. No, and, and so your farm. I I want to get more into that. So your your farm. It's this ten acre be- in in these beautiful hills in in Southern California. Really, really extraordinary place. And, and you had me out there. It's this enormous like mecca for what you do. And the coolest thing was when we were out there there were so many people out there. It wasn't like it was just you riding your track. It was like there are like 10 dudes on dirt bikes flying around all over the damn place and people out there to, to watch them. And it was like this whole event. Like, um, has that always been your vision to have this piece of property and invite people out to enjoy what you've been able to create? Like, what's what's the logic behind having so many people out there as well? Yeah, 100%. I think there's always a dream. For me... Yeah, growing up, having land my whole life, parents owning farms and things like that, I've always had tracks in my backyard. And I think that's what has made me the, who I am and the rider I am today is because I've been able to have great parents that have supported me and me and my family and my siblings. And we've always kind of grown up with land to be able to have a dirt bike track or have jumps and things like that. So for me, growing up, dreaming of having my own place one day, having my own land and dreaming of being in America, having that. So when I came to America, my goal was to eventually have my own piece of property. And in the position I was in at the time, in 2016, I was able to get my 10-acre property here in Southern California. And obviously, as soon as I got it, my plan was to get a skid steer straight away. And you know, I moved into my house on a Tuesday. And then on Thursday, I had a landing built and I was jumping in my backyard. So <laughs> it's like the dream was always to have my own place, to be able to, to to be able to ride in my own backyard, something that was mine and not my parents and something to be proud of. And and that's what was probably the, the biggest thing for me. But also is now that I'm getting older and there's younger kids in the sport, I think being able to give back, being able to have a place that some riders can come and learn new tricks in a safe environment or i want to be able to be able to give back to the sport that helped me um and you know there's not a lot of people who have the ability to have property and things like that so i'm in a position where i can help others and it's really it feels really cool like to be able to help riders with new tricks to teach them how to learn the backflip to learn how to jump a freestyle ramp to be able to have people out here and just enjoy life and building jumps and hanging out on the farm so i get a lot out of that and it's pretty cool yeah it it was that was probably the coolest thing about being out there i mean the tricks and everything you guys were doing was just wild but just how many people were out there just blew me away and then i mean people would just drive up in a sprinter van they just pop the doors open in the back and then just roll their dirt bikes out and just haul ass down to the track and, and tear around there for a while it was pretty cool yeah this is the mecca of uh one of the meccas of riding so i mean southern california they will freestyle motocross exactly what i do is was developed and created here this is where it all originates from so to be able to be here where it all started to be able to have this in my backyard and be able to give back to riders and have them cruise out and be a part of it it's really sick it's a really cool feeling and 
I hope, you know, for many years it can happen. So, yeah. Now, another unique thing out there is you, you live with your fiance. Is it Kelsey? Yep. She is also from a writing background, isn't she? Yeah. So she's actually from Phoenix. She's probably not, probably didn't go to school with you, but she's from out there. So yeah, her dad, uh, Destry Abbott, he's a, he's the legend in the KX 500 and, uh, yeah, very, very well known off-road rider. He's a, he's a big name in the United States and, um, yeah, he, her brother also, he's a up and coming champion and in, in the off-road world. So she's, uh, grown up around the sport and, uh, is yeah, heavily invested in it because of her family and super supportive of what I do. So it's, uh, it's pretty awesome actually. Yeah, that's that's like best case scenario to find a woman that already understands that whole world and is able to, you know, just be happy with having it around all the time. Because you're like, you guys live essentially at your track. So if she wasn't stoked about it, I don't think that would last very long. Yeah, exactly. No, that's <laughs> it. Like I mean, my previous relationship I was in for six years, most of my time in the United States and kind of in the sport, but not like her dad's in the sport, but she that was a hard one. And, and like, even just living out in the country life, like that takes a big toll on somebody like, you know, being, I travel the world, so I'm always traveling and, you know, whether it's her being at home alone, things like that. So it's really crazy to watch, you know, to, to be with Kelsey and uh, who loves living out here on the farm. And, you know, she grew up in town, so she didn't grow up on property and seeing her really like take to the, like the farm lifestyle and, be out in the countryside and some nights be here by herself and things like that you know that's it's really crazy for somebody to take that on and i'm super appreciative that she loves living this lifestyle and is so supportive of it it takes a takes a good woman to do that so yeah i'm very very lucky to have somebody like kelsey in my life that understands everything and i think probably just growing up with her family i mean she has to she has to know a lot just from her father and that. So it made it a lot better for me. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and were you guys supposed to get married this year? Was it, did coronavirus push your wedding off? Yeah. Coronavirus fucked everything. Yeah. You can beat that out. Yeah, but, um, you're good. You can swear here. <laughs> or not. We're all construction people. <laughs> yeah. We know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, COVID, we're meant to get married in April, which had to be postponed. So right now we're looking to get married in January, uh, January 16th, actually out in Phoenix, oh, uh, nice. the Phoenix area, which was meant to be here in California, but California sucks. So yeah. um, we're going, we're going out there to have, have it. Hopefully the world wakes up and takes off their mask and we can go back to normal and my parents are allowed to fly over here by then. If not, we have to have a bit of a weird ceremony situation where I have to do some live streaming and things like that and try and make it try and make it somewhat of a of a wedding a comfortable wedding but um yeah, yeah. we're looking I'm looking forward to it Freaking, yeah because your, your parents are yeah now but yeah yeah your parents are over in Australia so they can't just fly over huh yeah no they can't so they're they're on they're on complete lockdown in commie Victoria right now so yeah that yeah. is wild yeah, yeah. They're not allowed to like leave the the last. Oh, just the restrictions just eased up with that. For the last five months, they haven't been able to leave their area for like five kilometers. Yeah, 
Jeez. Unless they're working. Unless they're working. That's been weird. I guess. It's weird. I mean, despite all the ridiculous stuff around here, I guess it makes you thankful for uh, at least the freedoms we have in this country. Dude, I love it. Yeah. Freaking, thank God we have the Second Amendment. I, I agree there. Um, I guess to wrap up here, what, like for, for younger kids, I mean, what have you learned? What kind of advice do you have for younger kids wanting to, because I'm sure there's a lot of kids out there aspiring to be where you've been on that global stage competing for gold medals in the X Games. I mean, what what's the advice that you give out to these young young bucks trying to get to where you've been? I think for me, it's just never, like, never take no for an answer. Yeah. Like, you know, growing up at school, teachers telling me, you know, because, like, you go to school with kids that play all the other sports and do the normal things. So, you know, for me, it was like I was, the kids loved me, but teachers hated me. They frowned upon me. They didn't, you know, what are you doing, Jared, riding those stupid dirt bikes? You're going to be nothing when you get older. You're going to go nowhere in life. Why the heck would you want to do that? Blah, 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 blah. And I think all that negativity, which is great, because I think teachers need to give us people that negativity because obviously it pays off in the long run. But don't take no for an answer. Don't let people talk down to you, whether it's teachers, family, friends, no matter who it is, just keep pushing. If you have a dream, it's not far-fetched. Like, I have seen friends of mine that are riding freestyle motocross. One of my friends from Chile, you know, he grew up third world friggin' dirt floors in his house. Like, your kid's poor. And now the guy has freestyle ramps, a big F truck he's got a house family he's living his life in a third world country still so no matter where you are you know just don't take no for an answer and work hard and i think too being humble like never be rude never be arrogant like yeah sometimes you can get in a bad position and somebody might come across you at the wrong time and you know if they do try and fix it but just be humble. Like I think going out of your way, networking is the biggest thing and then being able to back it. So if you can network, go out and meet people, whether it's in freestyle, whether it's in action sports, whether it's in your day-to-day life, whether it's a job, whether it's in construction, no matter what it is, I think if you go out of your way to say hello to people, to be nice and humble, and I think that will get you so far in life. It's not funny. And it's almost as important as the skills that you're providing as well. Just being able to be humble and be approachable and things like that. I think they go a long way. So that's my best advice to somebody. Yeah. And your, like your, your humility is what's always been most impressive to me. Cause you could, I mean, you're kind of a big deal and you could be an arrogant asshole pretty easily and get away with it. But you're, you're, you just yeah. go out of your way to go talk to so many people. And even like, in the dirt community, for example, like you talk to so many damn people all over the place, all operators, like you at a con expo, you were just having a damn good time. I mean, you, you really do. You like you, if I didn't know what you've done, who you are, I would have no clue based on your, your composition, your, your words. I'd have no idea. Yeah. A lot of people like if I'm walking around construction expo, like I'm just where I wear my cowboy hat and like to me, uh, the cowboy hat represents like people ask me why I wear it. And it's like, that represents hardworking Americans and 
where we came from. So yeah. I like to promote that. I like to back that image. Like that's who I am. And people probably would look at me because I don't dress typically like the normal freestyler anymore. And I try and try and dress country because that's, they're my people. So yeah, from, I think that's just the thing. It's like, you, I think one thing that I will take with me and that's from my father is we love to talk. So I think him rubbing off on me as a young kid and just the way we, we just love to talk. We just do not fucking shut up. So, <laughs> um, I, like some ways I think it helps me. Some ways I think it doesn't help because people may get annoyed, but then if they're invested in the conversations, like I love having a good conversation. So no matter where I am around the world, I could be sitting in an airport next to some stranger. If they say hello, next thing you know, the conversation's on. We could be at Conexpo, we could be at a motorcycle event, we could be anywhere and I just like to have the time for people and you never know, you might meet somebody and if you're rude as fuck, you'll never know who they were. Oh, yeah. You might meet somebody, you might meet somebody randomly at the most random place and you just take the time. It might even just be opening the door for that person into a restaurant or some store or something and that person says, oh, okay, hey, how you doing? Oh, I like your hat or I like your clothes. And then you just start talking to the person and the next thing you know, that person works for something or someone and you've been looking for that person or that guy might know somebody that you might need to know or might be able to help you. Like, Not that you're always looking out to better yourself, but you just never know. You might be able to give that person something that they were looking for and next thing you know, they're your best friend or you have a really good friendship with somebody and you're able to help each other out. And that's what I like about being a human and having a voice and being able to go out and talk to people and not be rude. Because I guess for me also growing up meeting so many arrogant riders, like there's a lot of people in our sport that just think that they're everything and that their shit don't think. Yeah. Same with all the sporting athletes. There's so many sporting athletes that have just got such big bank accounts and all these nice things. And they just think that they are everything. It's like, vloggers and youtubers nowadays just think they're the shit or you know it's just like it's crazy for me i look at them and i'm like i never want to be like that i never want to be like that i want people to be able to have a conversation with me i want to one day when i pass away and i'm not here anymore i want people to say that they met me and how good i was and that's what i want to remember i've met so many rude arrogant famous people and it's like movie stars are the worst they're the worst people in this world. And it just makes me not want to be like them because they're so rude, you know? Yeah. So I guess that's the thing. It's just like remembering that and seeing that and taking that all in all the time. Whenever I meet somebody famous, it's like, all right, what's this guy like? Is he going to be rude or is he not? And then getting, getting, you know, seeing if he's rude or not and taking that into account. And yeah, it's all, it all ends up coming around. So, I just try to be try to be humble. Now, and there's there's some worlds in which you can get away with being an arrogant asshole, but this mm. industry, like you wanting to get into construction and earth moving and all that, they don't take very lightly to that. So if you did come in yeah, acting exactly. like you were Mr. Big Dog, no one would give a shit about you. I mean, you would just be nothing to these people. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You would. You'd get pushed to the side. I mean, that's, you know, construction dudes, I feel like we're all... Me, my biggest thing, like when I talk to, to companies in the in the construction world, is 
you know, like getting with steel wrists for the first time, I said, I'm a dirt bike rider. And I bet a lot of people in the construction world, like I know a lot of people in the construction world love off-roading dirt bikes. Like we are the same, the same breed of people. Like we, we, we are like most people that have operated heavy equipment. We all like dirt bikes or side by sides or hunting, fishing, camping. Like we all, we love that stuff. That's probably 90% of what construction is, is those men and women that go out and love to do outdoor things. That's the kind of breed of human we are. So I think, you know, we, we really get along and that's part of who we are. Um, and when we go to the construction site or the motocross track or the off-road industry, that we're the same breed of people. So we can connect and uh, we all get along pretty well. And I think you know, when you're around the toolbox meeting at the construction site, I feel like we're all pretty similar. So, yeah. I agree. I love it. Well, I, I uh, sure. this was a good little chat. Heck yeah. Yeah, sorry to I'm take so, you away from your, like, your skits I was wondering there. when you were going to hit me up. Like, I've seen a bunch of interviews out there, and I'm like, man, when am I going to get on this? Oh, so, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm working my way around. It's, it's really yeah. time-consuming. I didn't realize, I didn't recognize how time-consuming this, this shit really is. Because it's like I'm traveling every oh, week, yeah. and I get home, and it's like, oh, God, we need to do another episode. And it, there's a lot to it. It's crazy, though, because like we've been sitting here for like an hour and 11 minutes and just just bullshitting and it's like it's been really good easy going conversation so it's just yeah when you're trying to probably jumble it all with all your other stuff and then trying to knock out an episode it, it uh it gets pretty full on i bet we're, we're getting a little bit better and we'll have the uh we'll have the next one at at our uh office we'll have some beers and and just shoot the shit next year yeah, sometime awesome. in nashville like good man you guys you got your office now and you're I mean, I, every week I just see you on an escalator rubbing your shoes. It's like just you must have gone to every escalator in every airport in America by now, like doing oh, yeah. all this work. Yeah, escalator repairmen hate me because I've broken a lot <laughs> of escalators, put a lot of dirt in there. Yeah, that's right, though. But, dude, it's just a six actually, you know, like obviously following you, been following you for a while now and, you're seeing you first dabbing out there and just starting to build a profile. And I mean, how many workers do you have working for you now from, you know, when you first started and even through COVID and everything, you've been wide open, busy. I mean, you've probably done more, like I know that you've done more flights than me this year where normally it would probably be the other way around, but it's like, yeah, you haven't stopped. You haven't stopped like flying and, no, because yeah. like I, I told, I told, well, when all this happened in March, I said, all right, we're going to shut down until May one and reevaluate after May one. So we didn't, we didn't travel at all from middle of March, right after Con Expo to May 1st. And that was the longest period I'd been home since I started the company. But like May yep. one, it started to become, well, not delivering for our customers and bringing in money for the business is going to become more dangerous than this virus out there. So yep. at some point we're just going to have to get back out there because not feeding ourselves is obviously a, a much bigger threat at that certain intersection than something in theory happening to us, especially me as a young, yep. uh, young, healthy male. It's like, I don't me flying right now. I I'm, I'm po- totally fine with it. I've been on 70 flights this year, not a single problem so far. 
but some it's people would disagree, on, but I don't know. I hadn't been on a flight. I hadn't been on a flight. I flew home to Australia in January or February, and then I flew back. And then, like, all the stuff out to Con Expo and Tucson and all that, um, I just drove that. And then I went out to Utah a couple of times, which I drove that because I took my bikes and stuff. And yeah. And then I literally, two, two weeks ago, I flew to Ohio or one of those places back east and um, or Midwest or whatever. And um, that was the first time I'd been on a flight for seven, eight months or whatever. And Damn. it was just like, it felt so weird. But, dude, you're not going to lie. The airports have been freaking amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, no, it's no, a good deal. It's like the best time to fly. You get seats beside you. You don't have to put up with people. Yeah. Well, it's 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 either one or the other. You either don't have to put up with people or you have to put up with really crazy people that are like very, very, very paranoid. Mm-hmm. I get a little yeah, bit of that too. Yeah, I had too. a pretty smooth sailing, so you've probably ran into the fair share. Yeah, there's some people that are very, very paranoid, but that's okay. I mean, they can do their thing. I'll do yeah. mine. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, how do how do people find you if they're not already following along with you? Yep. So um, basically, I mean, social media, how powerful that stuff is nowadays, and how everyone has it. Uh, yeah, jump on, I guess, yeah, Instagram, Facebook, and that. Jared McNeil. So it's spelled J A R R Y D McNeil M C N E I L, and uh, yeah, Jared McNeil. You can find me on all the social platforms and uh, maybe at the local motocross tracks in SoCal. Love it. Yeah. If you love motocross, if you love skid steers, Jared has a little bit of both for you. Yep. Or even Nitro Circus. If there's a show with Nitro Circus coming up near you, yeah, reach out. You never know. I might be able to catch up with you at a show. There we go. Love it. All right, Jared, I'll let you get back to your skid steer and your cow. Yes, sir. Get back to fixing, uh, Got a little bit going on the farm today. Got some friends over, so go have some fun. Love it. Well, thanks for the time. And uh, everyone, we're all done here. Please continue to share the episodes. Really appreciate it. Last week's episode, super well received, or I guess two weeks ago, with uh, about suicide in construction. We're trying to bring some interesting topics to the industry that haven't really been discussed publicly. So, I appreciate all the the kind words about podcasts. Thanks for sharing, and we will see you on the next one.